I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Dave Demmer. Hey, I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Jamie Byrne. And hi, I'm Dr. Tom Dixon, GP in Melbourne and, you know, fabulous fag. And welcome to the Meet Q podcast, where each episode we meet Q, a fictional member of the LGBTQIA plus community who is struggling with their mental health, while the three of us sit around and have a chat about what's going on for Q and how we would support Q in therapy and medically. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording, we pay our respects to their elders past and present, and we extend that respect to any First Nations listeners today. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thanks for joining us again. How are we, gang? Oh, my chin's been wagging. I can't <laughs> wait to keep going. Fantastic. Chins. Oh, I, oh sorry, excuse I me. I have you. plural chins, do I? Is that what I'm talking Is that Beryl coming out? <laughs> no, I thought it was Jamie coming out there. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's getting old and her hearing wasn't what it used to be. Oh. So I was just making sure that your joke landed, yeah, Tom. Yeah, sorry. We, we'll blame you. We'll blame but we don't make self-deprecating humour jokes because no, our subconscious does not have a sense of humour. Ah, yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that. Can you so remind me of that training? later on, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, should we get started and meet Q? Why not? Yeah. Hi, I'm Q. I'm a 29-year-old lesbian. My partner and I have recently broken up after 12 months together. Thinking back, we had a wonderful first few months, but then my anxiety kicked in, as it always seems to do in my relationships, and I needed constant reassurance. I always get so worried that my partners don't love me, that they're going to leave, that they're cheating on me. Every negative scenario you could possibly imagine runs through my head. I was convinced that she was sleeping with other people, so I started acting out. I would go through her phone, check when she was last online on Facebook and Instagram, and one time I even turned up at her apartment unannounced, thinking that I would catch her in the act. If she took a while to reply to text messages, I would then deliberately take even longer to reply back to her. It was like payback. It ended up being these behaviors that drove her to end things. She said she couldn't cope with me anymore. I never did actually discover anything suspicious. And now that she's left, I recognize she didn't actually do anything that suggested she couldn't be trusted. Okay, gang, first impressions. What do we think is going on for Q? Well, I think, um, you know, one of, one of my first thoughts is this is sounding very attachment-y, mm-hmm. isn't it? I don't know. It is. I, I, okay. Day, do you want to say something about that? Because I know that's an area you love. Sure. Yeah, look, it is. It's one of my favourite therapeutic areas working with adult attachment. So uh, I guess we kind of have to begin this discussion with a bit of a talk about what attachment theory is. Mm. Obviously, early attachment is informative of how we attach in adulthood. But adult attachment theory is basically the idea of how we connect and bond with other important important people in our lives uh, when we are adults. So uh, it's around friendships, it's around family, but usually when we're seeing it in therapy, it's really about romantic relationships. So it's about partnered relationships. Uh, And when we think about attachment theory, it has kind of two uh, elements. Our attachment style, I should say, has two elements. So one is around anxiety and one is around avoidance. So how much does a romantic relationship cause anxiety for us? Is that high? Is that low? And how much do we avoid partnering up? How much do we avoid um, uh, romantic relationships? So if we avoid them a lot, then obviously we're going to be high on avoidance versus being low on avoidance. So 
What is probably going on for Q here, my thoughts are that she falls into what we would call an anxious, preoccupied attachment style, which means that you are high on anxiety in romantic relationships. So they create a lot of anxiety for you, uh, but low on avoidance. So you don't necessarily avoid them, Mm -hmm. but when you're in them, they create a lot of anxiety for you. Uh, so anxious, preoccupied attachment is, I think, what's probably going on for Q here. Mm. Uh, and it's usually informed um, by kind of a couple of underlying beliefs. Uh, the first underlying belief being that uh, I'm not good enough or I'm not enough. So some of that self-worth piece that we've spoken about before. Uh, and also the thought that the relationship is not secure, that the partner is going to leave. Mm. Uh, and so there's kind of abandonment elements there as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you talked about that tension between, you know, feeling secure in a relationship and I kind of think of it or explain it in terms of a desire to move towards versus a desire to move away, Mm. right? So when Mm. someone's got Mm. that more anxious feeling when they're in a relationship, right, that's coming from a really long-held belief that, you know, the world is not safe. So mm. then the idea of when they're out in the world by themselves, they feel that floundering feeling like this isn't safe, this isn't safe. And when we've got more of that avoidant type, which is an, another one of the attachment styles, there's that movement away. And that's the idea or the long-held feeling that the home base isn't safe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This doesn't feel safe to be partnered up. Yeah. It feels I can only trust myself. Mm. And I think it's um like... I always like to think about it from an evolutionary biology perspective mm-hmm. in the sense of when we were kind of hunter-gatherer type societies, um, we had a, like a family group and kind of a camp of say 50 to 100 people. Everyone knew each other. And so you had that kind of secure base constantly. Yeah. But if you were kicked out of that um, community, then you would die. Yeah, mm. you're on like, your own. You're mm. dead. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sabretooth tiger's got you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this kind of like, it explains like why we as human beings have almost encoded in our genome this need for kind of dependency slash mm. connection. Yeah. Um, and it's important that we kind of don't just assume that that's consigned to childhood, but it is this kind of very much a drive for us to find our connection and our um, kind of intimate uh, dependency Mm. within romantic relationships as well. And it's when that kind of is that mismatch that we often get that anxiety. Mm. Mm. Just to come back to the theory, I guess it's important to kind of counterbalance this idea of, I guess what we're talking about here is insecure attachment. So, you know, avoidance of relationships and or anxiety within relationships, um, which make up about roughly 50% of the population are insecure, um, have an insecure attachment style and about 50% have a secure attachment style. So they feel comfortable in connecting with other people that doesn't cause them too much anxiety. They, they don't necessarily avoid it. Um, uh, they're, they're kind of open to relationships and they're able to feel secure in there. Mm. Now, not saying that they don't sometimes mm. experience anxiety and sometimes have difficulties Absolutely. with partners. Mm. Um, that is a universal experience. Absolutely. We have doubts yeah. and, you know, yep. of course, people who are insecure can have those moments of connection as well. Yeah, yeah. and feeling mm. secure and feeling reassured. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, some of the other important things that are going on for Q here is this seeking of reassurance and mm. I guess, you know, strategies of which yeah, they're doing it. They exactly. Yeah. yeah. These kind of what we would call protest behaviors around trying to seek and find this reassurance. And that's coming from a place of obviously this anxiety is so strong for her that the only way that she feels at this point in time, or I should say during the relationship, she was able to kind of calm that anxiety and feel a sense of security within the relationship was when she was getting this reassurance from her partner 
that because she wasn't able to kind of generate it herself. Yeah. I'm just thinking as well about uh, clients that I might see and the chemistry that can come up in the relationship as well. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, we see this paradox, right, where there's this tendency of um, people who are more anxious in their attachment styles having this intense chemistry with people who are more avoidant in the mm-hmm. attachment style, which I don't know about you guys, but like when I, when I see this in my client, my heart just breaks because yep. it just like, you can just see both people like they're, they're wanting the best for themselves. But when you've got that intense chemistry and the chemistry is more intense when you've got that yin yep. and yang, when you've mm. got one partner reaching out, moving towards and another partner, you know, trying to create distance mm. because they might be using language like I'm feeling smothered. Mm. I was going to say, like, Esther Perel talks about this yeah. in terms of, like, yeah. the nature of arousal. Yeah. Um, like, we need that unknown. We need yeah. the hesitancy. We need that moment of, like, what's going to happen next Absolutely. to really have great sex. Yeah. And it's, like, it's one of those moments that, like, kind of that's where long-term relationships, if you're, especially during the last two years when we've all been locked up with our partners inside. Uh-huh. I'm single, by the way. But um, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> Just in case any of our listeners want to... It's one of those things that, like, if you've been living on top of your partner for two years and mm. you've got nothing new to talk mm. about, mm. there is no unknown there. Mm. It's one of those things where you're not going to have great sex, but you're just not going to get that yin and yang. And yeah. so you might feel like your relationship is actually kind of not as strong as it was before. Or at least stagnant. Yeah. yeah. I think what, what you're both talking about there, you know, particularly Jamie, this kind of dance that happens between people who are anxiously attached when they partner with someone who is avoidantly attached, that there's always this distance that the person who's avoidantly attached kind of needs in order to feel kind of safe within the relationship that their partner is not too close. And so as, you know, someone who's anxiously attached moves a little bit closer, the person who's avoidant moves a little bit further and then that eventually stops happening. And so the anxious attacher might start to move back and then the avoidant starts to move a little bit closer. But there's always this kind of set, often this set amount of distance between the two within the relationship that's kind of dictated by the level of avoidance. It's also important to talk about here kind of the idea of our attachment system. We all have our internal mm. attachment system and it can all get activated at certain times. And uh, this is a really delicate part of the attachment conversation, I think. And, and I make sure to kind of really spell this out with my clients when we're talking about the attachment system is this idea of feeling anxious, this idea of, you know, being quite preoccupied with what's my partner doing, you know, do they love me? When are they going to text me? That feels like excitement. That feels Mm. like the honeymoon period. Mm. That feels like, oh, I must be so in love with that person. Mm. Unfortunately, it's actually showing that your attachment system Mm. is too activated and too dysregulated. It's not a good Mm. thing. Mm. So sometimes clients say to me, oh, I've been on a couple of dates with somebody and, you know, it's all a bit kind of, yeah, it's all right. It's Mm. probably a bit maybe boring or a bit kind of same, same. I'm like, good. That means that your attachment system is settled. That means that this person isn't making you anxious or isn't activating the avoidant part of your attachment system. Mm. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't use the word boring. That's probably not the right word. But when things are settled and they're just kind of plodding along, that's a good thing because when you are dysregulated and when you're feeling that really strong uh, level of anxiety, that is not good. It feels like it's good because it feels like I must really love them because I'm so preoccupied. 
but it's not. But Dave, that doesn't fit at all with what Disney tells us. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I, it's, I think, and I think it is actually like, it can be useful to think about it in that narrative. Like, we've all got that narrative that we tell ourselves. This is how a relationship or how a dating um, kind of pathway looks like. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you do this amount of dates, and then you should move in together, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or you should kind of go and meet the parents, or like yeah. you should be feeling this um, amount of like love or kind of affection yeah. by this part of the relationship. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of hooey. Yeah. Like it's it's honestly like we get sold these narratives that are often quite destructive mm-hmm. and it just needs to be what is right for you and yeah. the partner you're with. Yeah. Absolutely. And the dyad, the, as in the two part of the dyads, that intersecting bit between mm-hmm. you and your partner, it's that bit in the middle. It's the yeah. relationship, yeah. It's isn't the it? two of you together. Mm. And that's what we're also, we need to consider all three parts in thinking about attachment, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've got Q who's feeling really anxious. Mm-hmm. We've got how the partner is responding to Q. But then we've also got the partner's own attachment style and what might be going on there. Mm. Absolutely. And I wonder if whose partner was maybe somewhat avoidant and that kind of matching, you know, the research sure. shows because avoidance, I guess, are more likely to be in the dating pool yeah, uh, yeah. because they're avoidant and they tend to avoid relationships that they're generally what, you know, I don't know how to say this delicately. Is this a read because I'm single? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're often, you know, that's what's left. Uh, not always. <laughs> not always the case. Um, uh, so yeah, but, here we have Dr. Demmer calling and scraping the bottle on the barrel. Tom Dixon. <laughs> uh, that's right. I'm I'm anxiously attached. So it's it's, it's I, I totally get insecure attachment. Um, statistically, you are more likely mm-hmm. at this point to date an avoidantly attached person. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So one thing that I'm always going to listen out for when I've got a client is I, I can I often hear a lot of these two words mm-hmm. and then I start to think about attachment theory in relationships. I hear the word toxic. I had a toxic relationship Ooh. and I hear the word it was intense. Yeah. So those two words straight away and, you know, if, if you think about your own past relationships, if you've had that relationship where you're thinking about, oh, that was really toxic or that was, you know, mm. that felt really intense, I wonder whether listening to this episode you might start to pick up on some of your own patterns mm-hmm. throughout yeah, as well. Absolutely. I just want to make a final comment on kind of those main belief systems that underlie anxious, preoccupied attachment, which are generally around, I'm not good enough. So that self-worth piece and uh, the relationship is not secure. My partner's going to leave um, and how kind of influential they are uh, in influencing anxious attachment, anxious, preoccupied attachment, and just kind of clarify and classify these behaviours that Q was talking about in terms of, um, uh, you know, turning up at uh, her ex-partner's apartment and looking at when they were last online on Facebook and Instagram, that this is really trying to soothe that system of, of feeling insecure, that this is her searching for, this isn't her being needy, this isn't her being crazy, this is her looking to soothe that anxious attachment system uh, in a way that helps her feel more secure within the relationship. Because these two beliefs often flow on from each other, this idea of, you know, I'm not good enough, my partner's going to leave, in the way of, I'm not good enough, and when my partner realises, then they're going to leave. Okay, if we were seeing Q as a client, what would we be doing, gang? Jamie? Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of cues in Mm. my practice because, you know, you can really see um, how this anxiety we're going to have people coming to us saying, what do I do with this feeling? I feel, yeah, I've either lost or I feel like I'm going to lose, you know, my partner and I'm, I'm terrified, right? 
I, I think one thing that I'm hearing, you know, from what you're saying, Dave, is it sounds like this worried voice is really, really loud for this mm-hmm. client, right? Mm. And what they're desperate for in, um, you know, all of their behaviour, all of their thinking is to just have 100% certainty in their relationship and their partner 100% of the time. And if we could just give them that, then they would be fine. They wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be stressed, right? Yep. Um, however, the feeling is, well, unless I'm with my partner, unless I can read their mind every mm-hmm. second of every day, then how do I know that presence is there? And unfortunately, while we've got this worried voice in our head saying, you know, like, oh, someone's going to leave me, we've also got this false comfort voice that tries to give us that 100% certainty, yeah? It says to us, yeah, but they haven't left yet, you know, she's stuck around this long, Mm. yeah? But then, of course, that worried voice has a really quick reply. Oh, well, she's just about to find out, isn't she? She's just about to know that... That was yesterday. What about today? Right. That was yesterday. What about today? So that feeling that at any moment you're going to be caught, you're going to be revealed, right? Mm. Um, So that false comfort that's really looking for that 100% certainty, that's a trap that we can fall into. Mm -hmm. And what I really encourage you to do is start to go, what was my wise mind say? That I can't actually find 100% certainty. There is no guarantee. So what can I be certain about? Well, I can be certain about, um, you know, when I'm with my partner, it feels great, yeah? Sometimes when I leave my partner, that's when I start to get worried. So just coming back to those moments of connection, of, you know, betweenness. Tom, is there anything medically we would think about here? No, not really. Like, again, no pill for this. Mm-hmm. Um, There's pills for anxiety, but not necessarily specific. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and I, think, I think that's really important to, like, actually highlight is that this is not an, a generalised anxiety disorder. Mm. And this is not something that needs a kind of a Valium script or, like, a medication to kind of alleviate these symptoms. We need to be able to kind of gain that psychological insight to be able to kind of do this because otherwise if we treat you with some pills today – as soon as you stop those pills, it's going to come roaring back mm. um, because you haven't learned that ability to kind of reflect, as you say, Jamie, mm. and kind of find those moments where you feel secure. Mm. Um, so, yeah, mm. no pills. Yeah, and, I mean, Dave, what would you do if you had a client like you? Well, attachment is kind of one of my favourite things okay. to treat in therapy. Absolutely. Yes, he's been literally. Yeah, yeah. he's been on the edge of his seat. <laughs> he was very courteous, yeah. giving Jamie and I the mics first. So send me all the cues. Uh, so look, first and foremost, uh, something that is going to help with your attachment system, your attachment style, is finding a securely attached partner. So someone that is going to be able to meet your needs, understand your needs, and do the best they can without kind of stepping backwards when maybe they feel a little bit overwhelmed by the need sometimes. So finding a secure partner and understanding what that means um, Mm -hmm. and what that looks like, really, really important. And I think that comes down to understanding that an activated attachment system, Mm -hmm. when it's really dysregulated, when you're really kind of preoccupied, that again, I've said a couple Mm -hmm. of times, that's not a good thing. Mm. But what if it feels really good? It does. It, well, it, you know what? I was going to say it does, but you know what? It, it doesn't. Feels it's yeah. It feels dangerous. It feels so dangerous. That kind of roller coaster, that up and down. Yeah. Um, while the ups are really wonderful, yeah. the downs are really awful. So yeah. if we can find more like, you know, a teacup ride that yeah. just kind of like potters along, that's just yeah. a little, that's just enjoyable as we go around. Yeah. yeah. But I suppose like in the reason I asked that question is more mm-hmm. how do we kind of counsel ourselves when we're expecting those roller coaster moments to actually mm-hmm. stay through the mm-hmm. what is the boring teacup ride yeah really great question and i think that is 
kind of just about understanding that my attachment system, when it's dysregulated, that's going to be the ups and downs. And actually that's no good for me. And Mm. really being able to recognize that, Mm. as I said to you all before, I'm naturally anxiously attached Mm. myself. Mm. And so it's taken me a very long time to recognize that actually those Mm. ups and downs that Mm. feel really exciting when it's up and Mm. really shitty when it's down uh, is actually no good for me. Mm. So when I get into a relationship and I, I connect with someone like I have with my partner, then when it's really settled and really lovely, then that's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So when it's feeling safe, right? It sounds that's like right. that roller coaster ride, you're not necessarily getting that need met of safety, mm. of belonging, yeah. of and connection. I think it's also kind of good at the, in these moments to reflect on why we're kind of seeking a partner mm. and kind of reminding ourselves of, okay, like, whilst this isn't the roller coaster ride at Dreamworld, mm. it's mm. still something that's really lovely to spend sit next to someone on a teacup ride. Exactly. And have that connection. Yeah. And, like, not seek the highs and the lows, but just that connection. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that I'd be thinking about with treatment with someone who did have this high level of anxiety around relationships is around their identity separate in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So, again, thinking about a Venn diagram, right? Okay. So what am I going to focus on for myself as well as for our relationship, as well as giving my partner that space because I want her to have her own kind of identity and relationship, right? But sometimes people who have this high level of anxiety uh, in relationships, they want everything to be about the relationship, right? And I also worry about Q because I want her to have that identity for herself because that's something really special Mm. and something that I want to bring home to my partner is that shared connection, is that reunion to say like, yeah, I did all these amazing things. And that reunion is a really beautiful thing as well. Yeah. And look, the research does show that people who are anxious, preoccupied, anxiously preoccupied, attached do tend to lose themselves in the relationship. And it's because of that preoccupation element of it, not necessarily just because of the anxiety, it's because they become preoccupied. And within that, they can at times let some of themselves go. And then the relationship can feel so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, actually I've let go of so much of who I am. Maybe now all I feel I have is this relationship, which obviously then increases that stress around, is my partner going to stay or go? And like on the kind of the partner side in those situations, it can often start to be really intense for them, but also really boring because if that identity is only one of the relationship, there is no like kind of coming home from work moment where there's that separation of uh, different identities who are working together. It's now just the relationship identity and potentially one partner there. Something really important to understand when working with uh, kind of anxious attachment and trying to work through that yourself is this idea that our attachment systems begin the moment that we're born. There's probably research, I'm not sure, but there's probably research that shows that it starts in the womb. It does. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there you go. That this is really kind of foundational and grounded in your brain and it's really difficult to really shift it significantly over time. Certainly not impossible, but it's really, really tough. So it's a long process of therapy. Mm. And so sometimes it's actually a lot easier to be able to step into an acceptance side Mm. of things that actually Mm. these are my needs within the relationship. Mm. And I can try to find someone who's going to be able to help me with those needs. And sometimes I'm going to have to see it with some anxiety and some distress. But being able to be accepting of our needs rather than rejecting, because I think people who have anxious, preoccupied attachment are often described as needy and too much and desperate and all those awful, awful Mm. words, which actually just come from a place of, well, these are my needs in relationships. Mm. 
Mm. I, th- I often think about this idea that it's not that you're needy or you're too much, right? It's that you've got a bouncer um, sitting there just a little bit over your heart, right, that's just not letting anything in, not letting mm-hmm. that connection in, not trusting that connection. So it's not that you're needing too much, but what that absolute human level is that you need, you're not getting. It's yeah. not getting through. Yep. Yeah, your bouncer's not letting it get through because your bouncer's sitting there saying, well, if I look for suspicion, yeah, then I might find it. And I really, that's where my heart's breaking for Q because if we keep looking for those signals, if we keep looking for those little relationship ruptures, then um, we, we, we might find it, right? And mm-hmm. whether, whether or not it's actually there, we might interpret the situation. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, one, Dave and I uh, worked together and so uh, I walked in the corridor and I, uh, you know, briefly saw Dave and I thought, oh, Dave must be so annoyed at me, <laughs> yeah, because he had just a blank look on his face and I went about my day, went about my day, made a cup of tea and I was in this panic state because I was like, oh, I should have responded to that email, what have I done, what have I done? And by the time that I actually thought, why don't I just ask Dave? Yeah. You know, why don't I just say to Dave, Hey, how's your day going? Turned out Dave was having a bit of a shit day. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually able to be there and just connect with him in that way. And I was able to let go of mm. that moment. And that's just a really small example, mm. which is going to be exacerbated mm. in intense romantic oh. or in romantic relationships. And kind of as evidence of like how early these systems start and how they can differ so much between people. Like grade one primary school me. I threw a tantrum every morning of the first week at least Mm. and would cry intensely on the lino because it was Queensland. We had lino. (laughs) Um, And uh, and mum would kind of like sit outside because like that kind of separation was like huge. Right, yeah. And so those attachments of like kind of – it can be very different. Like most like developmentally – Maybe a bit stunted I am, but not. No, I mean that in a kind of very jovial way. But it was just in the sense of the variation that everyone can experience. Absolutely. And so for me, it was a five-year-old. Yeah. I was kind of losing that secure base yeah. uh, and being okay with myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I started school really early, so I was four years old when I started school. And my mum tells a story that I didn't even look back at prep. That mm-hmm. I just kind of wandered off as all the other parents are getting yeah. loves wow. and hugs and all the rest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, bye. And like, <laughs> so, I was just like. It, Exactly. So I'm probably yeah. more on that avoidance exactly, side. Exactly. And I'm more right? on that anxious side mm. of things. So they're, they're quite, um, which is why I'm loving working with you guys. <laughs> we're going to signals up for all of us. Jamie keeps it appropriate yeah. amount of just to get us the, uh, Am I the thorn between two roses? Or I don't know. One, one way or the, the other. The rose between we're, two thorns. We're just three, three rosy thorns here. Um, but, you know, that that pattern is is really kind of longstanding. Yeah. And um, I, th- I think that it can be, as you say, it can feel sometimes like there's not a lot of room to move but I actually I've also seen the experiences of when um you know I see two clients find a partner or partners that really fulfill that attachment need mm-hmm. yeah and how beautiful that is yeah. and just how special that is when I see that with um you know clients of mine and when we you know, we've experienced that as well for ourselves in our own personal relationships mm-hmm. and it's just like that aloe vera balm that just, or spray, you know, the really nice spray that you put on after a sunburn. And it's just like. Soothing. Oh, that's what it's meant to feel like. Yeah. It just feels great. 
As a ginger, I have no experience with aloe vera. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's translucent. I was okay. actually thinking of you when I was talking about oh, aloe vera. I was like, hold on, this analogy will work well for Tom. So, Tom. <laughs> so just coming back to uh, how we would support Q uh, and maybe some tips and tricks here for our listeners as well. So some of the behaviours that Q is engaging in, as I said before, is about her seeking reassurance to be able to calm that anxiety, but seeking it kind of from her partner in a way. Uh, so... When we do that, we kind of hand over responsibility of our emotions to our partner when we want to be able to take autonomy of our emotions. Uh, So some of the things I might get some of my clients to start doing who might be struggling with similar things as Q here would be to engage in some self-reassurance. So little things that can just kind of take the edge off sometimes. Like if, if if your partner sends you a really lovely text message, screenshot it, save it in a folder in your phone and go back to it when you need to read it. Maybe you can ask your partner to write you a really lovely letter at some point that you can pull out and have a read just to be able to kind of start generating that reassurance yourself without having to rely on your partner for it. Mm. The warm and fuzzies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just those moments of like, oh yeah, no, last night, you know, they did say babe or they said I love you or, you know, they said good night. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. Mm. Just a little reminder that, hey, you know what? This consistency and that stability is mm. actually there and it it might not be reality what I'm mm. consumed with in my thoughts in the moment. Mm. So, um, so Jamie, like if we're kind of starting to clock those emotions, I mean, yeah. those behaviours, and we're kind of starting to engage in that anxiety about the, yep. our own behaviours yep. and we're starting to kind of spiral downwards yep. and we're just kind of like we don't have like control anymore of our attachment system, how do we kind of wheel that back by maybe engaging our partner and having yeah. a kind of frank and honest conversation about how we're feeling and why we know it's probably not them it's probably yeah. us. Um, this this one can feel a little less sexy, but I'm a huge fan of letter writing in relationships, right? And for both partners to be able to independently. So when the heat is really, really mm. high and really, really intense, we can get into that battleground um, and we can get into that, you're not listening to me, you're not listening to me, and we're missing each other's needs. If we write down what we're experiencing, right? We're uninterrupted. And often, even if we're doing this independently of our partner, that really gets us to identify what are our needs, mm. right? And if we can identify our needs, whether we send that letter or not, whether we hand that over, whether I receive a letter in return, sometimes that in itself is going like, oh, that's a validation I was looking for. That's what I was, that's why I'm feeling triggered. That's why I'm feeling up and aroused, right? Because I've got all of this stuff going on. And that can be the down regulation that you need, that space to switch off the sympathetic nervous system, that intense (laughs) system, and come back into that rest and digest, right? And if you can then start to share those words, start to share those letters, then starting then that verbal communication becomes easier. And I think what you'll find as well is when you're able to partner with someone who is secure, they're able to receive that. Mm. They're able to hear it. They're able to have conversations around it. But, you know, if Q is partnered up with someone who is avoidantly attached, then the likelihood is that partner is going to get scared off by this, that that Mm. is going to cause them to create more distance or feel that Q's needy or feel that Q is Mm. too much. Mm. Uh, So when we're partnering with someone secure, not only if we're able to have these vulnerable conversations, but we're able to have these vulnerable conversations with someone who's able to engage with that vulnerability and and Mm. treat it well. Yeah, it's just so much easier when we're with a secure partner. 
Yeah, and I, Dave, I think when you talk about like having vulnerable conversations, um, one of the things there is that, uh, and Jamie, you kind of mentioned the clashing of two um, kind of we're all f- always mm-hmm. fighting, mm-hmm. is that those vulnerable conversations need to be kind of reflective on us mm-hmm. um, to really not be kind of going into it with our partner and saying, you're making me feel like this. Yeah, yeah. owning the emotion. Yeah. But yeah. actually yeah. saying, okay, this is how I'm feeling and yeah. this is like I'm interpreting this situation yeah. myself mm-hmm. this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like kind of taking that bite out of it because we know psychologically yeah. If we start to accuse someone of something, they're going to hunker down. Yeah. Defensiveness yep. is going to come up. Particularly yep. if you're more avoidant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts here? Any final words for Q? So I think my final thought for Q is to kind of have that moment with themselves and kind of reflect, accept. Mm. I think acceptance is so important here. Mm. And then kind of try and tap into that vulnerability. It's incredibly hard being an anxious um, attacher and to engage in vulnerability. Here you go. Not speaking from experience. Um, <laughs> of course I am. Um, but it's actually kind of once we start to accept, then that vulnerability comes a little easier as well. So I guess my final take home to Q is just to reiterate this idea that, you know, just because she has this tendency towards an, an anxious attachment, be careful not to put herself into that box. Yeah. So it's a spectrum, you know, on a gender <laughs> and sexuality podcast, we don't want to be, you know, too binary here, right? Mm-hmm. There's just this tendency towards this feeling um, that she does want 100% of that certainty in a relationship 100% of the time. And maybe we can access that wise mind. Maybe we can access that really safe healthy part of Q that goes like, well, actually, maybe I'm good enough as a person and that's what I want for my partner to see and that's what I want for my relationship. Yeah, beautiful. And Dave, do you have any... Yeah, look, I guess my final thoughts here and something I talk to my clients a bit about is is this idea of understanding the behaviours of someone who's securely attached and trying to engage in them where possible. That's something that really has really helped me over time with my anxious attachment style is recognising, actually, is this about me and what I'm thinking and some of the old stuff that I'm carrying and some of my attachment mm. difficulties and how do I choose in a moment in, in a really tough way to live by my values and to choose a securely attached response. My last uh, little point as well, super duper important, probably the most important thing I'll say, if you struggle with insecure attachment, please read the book Attached by Emile Levine and Rachel Heller. Um, super duper helpful, really mm-hmm. easy to read. There is n- I, this is my most recommended book to my mm-hmm. clients, you know, by far, mm-hmm. and no one has ever read it and said to me, I didn't get anything out of mm-hmm. that. And I'd also recommend the resource for anyone who is in a non monogamous or an open relationship, really good book called Polysecure. Um, the mm-hmm. authors escape me right now, but I'd really recommend that um, for some reading if that's something that you're interested in. Okay. Thanks gang. Wonderful chat about Q today. Look forward to our next yeah. podcast and meeting our next character of Q. Yeah. Can't wait. I'll be heavy petting into the next <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be sending them text message after text oh message. Oh my hoping gosh, to get that you guys are stressing me out so much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Meet Q is brought to you by Q Psychology, Melbourne's leading private psychology practice for the LGBT QIAP community. Q is a fictional character. Any similarities to a specific person are coincidental and are due to Q representing common mental health difficulties experienced by members of the queer community. Any advice provided by the presenters is general in nature and should not replace specific and individualised mental health support that might be needed. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, 
Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 13 11 14. Rainbow Door is available on 1800 729 367, 10am to 5pm, seven days a week. And Q Life is available on 1800 184 527, 3pm to midnight every day. Please visit the Meet Q website at www.meetqpodcast.com for further specific LGBTQIAP mental health resources. 